You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Hello once again, everybody. It's me, your host, Nick Scheist. And today we're doing a little something different as I welcome a special guest to do the first episode of Bad Movies We Love. Here we go. We are recording. Okay. So, thank you for being here. Uh, My pleasure. To everybody that is listening, this is going to be the first episode of the Bad Movies We Love <laughs> version of this podcast. I'm joined today by a new friend who I guested on uh, his podcast last week, and his name is Donald Langley. Uh, so, say hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing good. And I mean, you and I had this conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're in the movie group together. Mm -hmm. So we started, you know, kind of talking about an idea I had. And I pitched you like, hey, give me a handful of movies that Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about uh, or that you think we may want to bring in to this particular episode. And of the list that you gave me, I picked Roadhouse because... Roadhouse. I felt it was the most topical, but we'll get to that later. But why don't you tell me what it is about Roadhouse that initially got it into this conversation? Yeah, you you chose you said choose three films and of and you you gave me the concept, you know, bad movies we love. So immediately my head went to like movies that were panned by by critics for one thing, not really by other people, but. You know, I went to thinking about movies that I actually liked, not necessarily I thought they were bad, and I liked them because we all have those movies we we know were bad, but we still like them anyway. And but my mind went straight to films that I think you know I really like, but it got panned, and then I started, you know, Roadhouse came up, uh, uh, straight to horror for one thing. A, a film mm-hmm. called Cherry Falls came up in my mind, but that movie is a, a bad a bad movie. I I, I love it, but. So then that got me thinking, he's like, you know what? I haven't seen Roadhouse since I was young. And I watched it a metric ton when I was a kid. It was always on TV. I uh, don't remember reading it, my stepdad reading it. I think it was, I was about seven or eight when it came out. But uh, so but then I was like, I might have accidentally chosen this movie. I might not like it now. I better watch it real quick. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and I, I, I rewatched it and it fits this perfectly because... I don't love the movie, but I really, really enjoyed it. Even watching it now, you know, as a, as a forty-year-old compared to a seven-year-old, um, and I don't think it's as bad as the, the, that is, is what people say. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that's fair, and I also didn't. Uh, I hadn't seen this since childhood as well, and it was kind of. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies that would have been on movies for guys who like movies i don't know if it was what i don't know what station that was but it was all this kind of like 80s action hero stuff and my memory of this movie is so much different than the movie that i experienced when i watched last night um 
that I think I enjoyed it more in that regard. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely had an eye out for like, here are the things that if I were going to say this is a bad movie, here's all the reasons yeah, uh, they're, they're why they're... I would say it's a bad movie. Yeah. But uh, I had a blast watching it. I, yeah, I was same. like, this movie is absolutely crazy uh, in <laughs> all the best like mid to late 80s kind of ways. Um, yes. And so I, I'm a little surprised. Uh, but when we talked about it, uh, this movie has a Metacritic score of uh, 36. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 3.6 out of 10, uh, and it has a tomato meter score among critics of uh, 37%. So 37% <laughs> of Rotten, uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics gave this a positive review, but uh, by by any metric, those are not good numbers. No, and no. even the audience score for Roadhouse is low, but it's mm -hmm. at least positive and it's comparable. I mean, it's basically on the same level of it's 6.6 .6 that it has on IMDb. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a huge disparity between mm -hmm. what this movie, I think, has in enjoyability versus what it has in quality. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get into that. But first, I'm going to screen share this and we're going to we're going to watch the trailer because I've never seen the trailer. No, I've never seen the trailer either. No. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Before we get to the trailer, I want to let all my listeners know that this episode of the Scheist Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Stellar Future Radio, part of the Stellar News Network. Broadcasting from the far reaches of Jupiter's orbit, your news allocator Roy has all your news from the heart of the outer colonies, such as the latest results from the Monarch Mech League, all the drama in galactic fashion, cautionary tales about gene-splicing megalodon DNA, traffic reports, and plenty of other juicy tidbits from the data conglomerate. Look how the tables have turned. You can find Stellar Future Radio on all the ancient socials and podcast providers, and you can learn more about SFR at StellarFutureRadio.com. That's StellarFutureRadio.com. Let's go. Try not to say Roadhouse in the Family Guy way a hundred times. Oh, that's loud. That's that's hey, this movie should be loud. <laughs> Guess not. Patrick Swayze is Dalton. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. <laughs> If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't, don't be rude. Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. <laughs> he may be hard to handle. I keep talking, you're going to go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, Dalton? Don't you like women? Worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> but there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. Aren't you guys tired? Doc, I'll get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. This is my town. I'm not afraid of him. 
I guess you'll be having that fire sale now, all right? <laughs> you got your hands full, kid. I just think I'm looking at a dead man. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Does that line of work? I thought you'd be bigger. Gee, I've never heard that before. Roadhouse. Okay. <laughs> so based on that, I mean, it definitely like hits its selling points of uh, fist fights, mm-hmm. uh, bar life, uh, some comedy, some romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I was most surprised that like it's much bigger than that. It's almost two films. When I initially sat down with it and I pushed play, and I was like, this movie's two hours in 1989. Yes. I'm like, that's yeah. really long. And so there was a point where I came and like I paused it around like the midway point. It's like, I'm like, all right, I still have an hour to go. Mm-hmm. And that first hour of the movie is basically what you see in the trailer. Yeah. And then the second half of the movie is like, okay, now there's like this other kind of story brewing of this uh, gangster kind of. And he runs the town and then all of a sudden it's like shit's exploding and <laughs> Bigfoot a, makes an appearance yeah, there's a monster truck which <laughs> when it shows up in the movie I'm like what the fuck is this guy doing driving a monster truck I was like this is completely out of context uh, and then you know 20-30 minutes later I'm like okay well now I understand why the monster truck is here uh, but yeah the trailer alone is like it's just banking on Patrick Swayze being Patrick Swayze yeah. at the height of his popularity and putting him in like a super macho role. Uh, I don't know. What did you think watching this? Uh, what is what you said made a ton of sense. The it, it is a long, long movie for this time or when movies were out then. And I want to, I don't remember it being that long for one. And I think I know it's because I'm used to the, the version that was on TV all the time. So it was, edited like crazy because there are there's nudity there's lots of nudity in this there's thing. a I, lot of it and i didn't remember that while re-watching this Me a either. couple of days ago so i'm like okay well that <laughs> that makes sense that that got cut out um i'm trying it seems like there was a lot of other stuff cut out uh, that i missed as a kid but yeah watching that trailer it's, it's definitely feels like you you see a lot of the first half of the film in that um i, I felt like the two parts was Everything going on with Dalton and, and the fighting and, uh, you know, Wesley, the the, the, the kingpin of the, the town or what have you. And then you had the love story that was kind of shoehorned in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the trailer that I would want to go see that if I was a, like a, you know, at this age I am now, if I would have been this age back then. Uh, I, Without watching the trailer, I read that it, they tried to make the trailer appealed to his dirty dancing fans so women mainly and i mm-hmm. didn't get that at all watching that trailer i thought that that would look like a guy movie to me for sure as uh as i was watching this last night my girlfriend she tapped out like probably before halfway through she was tired she's like i'm going to sleep i'm like no worries like we had we had actually just seen uh i think it was some anniversary showing of dirty dancing in theaters um so it's like all right i'm i was very recently exposed to like the superstar patrick swayze mm-hmm. and his character and his performance here is actually very close i would say to what we see in dirty dancing but when uh 
when I talked to her about it today, she asked me like, so how did you like it watching mm -hmm. it again? And I said, it's fistfights uh, <laughs> and titties for the guys. <laughs> yeah. And it's Patrick Swayze shirtless and sweaty for the ladies. Because, you know, there's a scene where he's uh, he's like warming up uh, his his striking drills or whatever in the in the barn and he's yeah. dripping sweat. And there's a scene of him like doing Tai Chi out uh, on the, the lakefront. Yeah. And so naturally, of course, all the women want him when he shows up in this small town. And it just mm -hmm. happens to be that the woman that he's interested in also happens to be the love interest of the villain in this story so it's all you know very convenient for that to unfold that way right yeah um but yeah this is definitely uh a guy's flick and like you said there is uh there's a lot of nudity in this movie <laughs> yeah i didn't i was coming by um, surprise yeah because i think i had just watched it on tv so all mm -hmm. this was edited out so we probably saw like a 90 minute version of this movie um, and I was like, wow, there's a, a surprising amount of nudity. And mm -hmm. I mean, in, in, in reality, I would say it's probably gratuitous because it's just there for the sake of being there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the scene that really highlights that is late in the movie, probably the last half hour or so the villain guy, uh, Wesley basically just like makes his wife get up on stage at the bar and like strip dance for really no yeah, apparent reason yeah, yeah just like get up there take your clothes off try and seduce Swayze but not even really uh so yeah it's just I mean I'm not gonna complain too much because <laughs> I'm mean, like it's, okay it's, it kind of fits though right with that culture that bar culture I've definitely walked into a, a bar I didn't know haven't been to before and there was a wet t-shirt contest going on and, and i want them so that's something that happened so it, some of that wasn't out of place but that wouldn't no, you mentioned yeah that, that was a weird weird one it's a weird thing for this guy to do to his uh his wife um i guess but, i mean that fits his character i guess he is you know he's, he, he he's just a wants great to piss him off he is he's yeah and i like the director mentioned a lot of he wanted him kind of be cartoonish in that way. Like he, the director said he put a lot of red colors around him mm. with the car he drives and I think some of the, the, the clothes that his goons wear. But yeah, I thought he was, he was a good, good bad guy. Yeah. Ben Gazzara. He reminded mm. me of like an evil Sam Neill. Um, hmm. But that, that early scene where he's like driving on the road, just like swerving between both oh. like both lanes of traffic, just not a care in the world. Just, <laughs> drives the other guy off the road that was definitely uh, a scene that could have been <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> i'm just like I'm, what is happening here i'm like i guess it's like the first time that like him and swayze actually like cross paths so it kind of like shows that it's like you got swayze driving his like uh you know shitbox car that he bought mm -hmm. for a few hundred bucks because he knows it's going to get destroyed uh, mm -hmm. And this other guy driving like his top of the line Mustang convertible and just like, oh, I own the road. I don't have a care in the world. So it's like very <laughs> interesting to show like the two different kinds of characters in that moment. Yeah, but I, I guess you, you kind of got the same thing from him flying the helicopter over Emmett's you know horses and stuff you kind of got yeah. oh he's an ass okay <laughs> just being a prick for the sake of being a prick and just because right? he can yeah. yeah i will say uh since i was just talking about character uh patrick swayze doesn't have one in this movie you uh, don't think so not i mean like he does like he's he's obviously got like a pretty solid like moral compass for like mm -hmm. how this movie unfolds and how uh 
the story of what's going on in the town plays into that. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a point where he and the doctor have retreated to his barn and they're about to, I think, hook up for the first time. And she just has like one line of dialogue that like says like, this is like who I am, my background, Mm -hmm. what happened to me, why I'm here. And I got more character explanation from her in that brief sentence than Swayze had had the entire film up to that point. Mm-hmm. All, all we know is that like he's for some reason a super famous bouncer because <laughs> that's somebody that gets famous in the late '80s, I guess. <laughs> he's a cooler. Yeah, he's a cooler, but he has a he has a crazy reputation where everybody knows him on a single name basis, like Prince or Madonna or Denzel, and. We know that he has a philosophy degree from NYU, uh, but they never explain why he went to NYU, why he got a philosophy degree, how he ended up in the job that he's in. It's just, oh, just lucky, I am guess. So it's like they just (laughs) glance past all of that and don't give him like any character foundation whatsoever. It says a lot about him as a performer that a lot of that basically doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, that he's able to like still be charismatic and still mm-hmm. hit the points of that character. Like I said, the moral compass and still basically point true north with that character, even though he doesn't have any of this stuff. Like, you know, he's got some history with the uh, his other bouncer friend that's played by Sam Elliott. Yep. Uh, and, you know, obviously, like something went wrong that landed him in this position you know he's educated enough to have gone to nyu and you know that he has uh like he's a thinking man in a world of brawlers right so like that's kind of like just the broad strokes like we'll we'll just drop you there and you're never going to get answers to really any of these questions at any point and i'm Uh, i was okay with that i mean that this movie a lot reading uh, a lot of reviewers or critics they keep mentioning um, westerns, and westerns got a lot of their influence from uh, samurai films, which I I love the old the Lone Wolf and Cub films, uh, Zatoichi films, of course Kurosawa, Yojimbo, and Sanjiro. That this movie is a samurai film. That's what this is. He's a he's a you know the, the samurai for hire. And it's yeah, as I was watching it. World. As I was watching it, I was like, this definitely like feels like a Western to me. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, a little bit more contemporary than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go, let me see if I can grab the scene here in the beginning and see if we can. It's the three rules. Uh, three, yeah. His three rules. So let's listen to these three rules. And then I'm going to uh, have a comment on this. Because it gets it gets blown up almost right away after he says it. Uh, <laughs> People who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse. And we've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. And that sure sounds good. But a lot of the guys who come in here, we can't handle one-on-one. Even two on one. Don't worry about it. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. (laughs) Come on. If somebody gets in your face, and calls you a cocksucker, I want you to be nice. 
Okay. <laughs> Ask him to walk, but be nice. If he won't walk, walk him, but be nice. If you can't walk him, one of the others will help you, and you'll both be nice. I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Uh-huh. And called a cocksucker in personal? No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. <laughs> I wonder if somebody calls my mama a whore. Is she? <laughs> I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. I think that's good enough for what I need out of it. Um, so he's he's uh, basically saying like pacify the situation. Um, that's a good and, sound bridge right there at the end of that scene, where it says take out the trash, and then you immediately hear Jeff Healy's band kick in while you're still watching that scene. That's a really good uh, sound bridge shot. Uh, it is. That was actually a great band. Um, I, yeah, my, I, I, I was aware of Jeff Healy before this. My my stepdad listened to. That their first album came out like the year before this movie and he listened to it all the time i, I really like jeff healy so you can answer me this is he really blind yes yeah i was like okay he looks like he's actually blind and he playing was, yeah. the he was um, blinded yeah. when he was one year one year old he had mm. uh, eye cancer yep well the music in this movie is fantastic but is. that's not what i'm going to talk about right now uh <laughs> What I wanted to point out was he, as he's telling them to pacify the situation, like the first uh, glimpse that we get at him before he takes this job and shows up here uh, at this new bar, he gets uh, knifed and yeah. stitches it up himself. And I think there's a comment somewhere. It's like, well, what if the guy has a knife? And uh, he gives some like flippant comment. But the scene after this, a guy comes in and he tells one of his cronies to like just deal with it he's like all right now's the time to you know do your job mm -hmm. and the guy whips out a knife and yep. he's still just like well you have to handle that and it's like for a guy who got stabbed in like the opening part of the movie sorry he got sliced he didn't get stabbed but he's very cavalier about the danger of a knife wielding opponent and oh, he, he sends one of his new employees directly into the line of fire uh, uh, he, uh after his introduction as their boss the the knife as soon as the knife came out he intervened he came up behind him and grabbed his wrist so he told the guy he was telling the guy to get the girl down off the table be nice and ask the dude to get the lady off the table he does it nicely but the guy pushes him he looks back at dalton dalton kind of nods to him right there i thought like how does he know what that nod means <laughs> if, yeah because it looked like he was going to fight him but anyways, he tried it again and the, the guy swung on him and then then pulled the knife out and then the camera shows a close-up of his hand with the knife and you just see dalton grabs his wrist right away and slams his face into the table makes mm -hmm. <laughs> the table happen kicks him out so it seems like as soon as the guy pulled a knife okay now it's real and that's i, I heard a lot of people saying that he breaks his rules a lot and later he breaks the rules when wesley is in the bar and egging him on because that's part of his character breaking down um, but before that, like, no, he, when the guy pulls a knife, it's time to get real. Like you can't, you can't try to take it outside then. So I, I thought he handled it like his character said he would. Yeah. So I'm curious if it's like his plan was to use, uh, the other guy as like a human shield or distraction in that moment mm -hmm. and intervene, like as it got more serious 
or he just has such cat-like reflexes that once he put this other guy in danger of getting stabbed, that he sprung into action and grabbed his arm uh, before it got out of hand so he could slam his face through the table. <laughs> Broke the table on that. <laughs> yeah, that guy's got major CTE after that. Um, there's good scenes like that where mm -hmm. it's maybe it's not the most plausible but it works yeah. for what the movie wants to do because like yeah. the movie uh, it's not pretentious in the way that it's like it's not trying to take itself too seriously especially not at this stage in the film mm -hmm. uh as it gets uh a little bit later it, it starts to amp up in intensity so i think like that transition towards the end of the movie uh, is a little bit more forgivable in that way mm -hmm. but in watching this i'm like seriously like not a single person ever had a gun in any of these instances like nobody went right. to their car and came back and got a gun i mean maybe i'm just like cynical because of like what i see now mm -hmm. but it's like this is a bunch of like really violent drunk people not not anyone nobody's coming back in with a baseball bat or anything they could just kind of take it out on the you know the the junker car that he ends <laughs> up uh buying for the specific purpose of being the target um mm -hmm. so i like some of the subtle stuff there where it's like you don't understand why he's getting the car at first and then it's yeah. like you find out that he comes out after work and the car is trashed and so there's mm -hmm. the scene where he drives to the junkyard and picks up some tires and so there's actually a lot of like clever uh clues being dropped before it gets to the point of like this is why this is happening um because he sh we see him in a mercedes so it's like why is he buying like this piece of crap so i like that they took the time to like make that uh an actual or make that come to fruition um it, his car does get trashed what like several times in the movie yes. though <laughs> yeah and he always it, just shrugs it off yeah it's like i don't know what happens it's like he drives it again i don't see the same damage the next time so i mean he's got like a good repairman that he trusts that gives him a good discount he's like look i'm gonna be a regular customer i'm gonna have my windshield smashed in uh several times so i hope you're just uh ready to come help me out <laughs> i noticed the, the hole is still there in the windshield whenever the two goons yeah. come to tell dalton that wesley wants to see him and they come to pick him up. He's laying on top of his car for some. And some yeah, he's like he's, he knows he knows they're coming because it's <laughs> and in there's the a script. hole there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and the, the hole is still there in the windshield in that one. And you mentioned his repairman. Like I didn't know it's the guy who is. He was in Elvis's Memphis Mafia. Oh wow, West, West Red Red West. And what's funny? We just watched that Elvis movie a couple of days ago, and there's a scene in it where it's you know the the scene where it's like Elvis life becomes a movie and then he's going through his uh i guess tour bus or his bus or whatever and introducing part of that memphis mafia and there's red wet they he is a character in that movie hmm. that's a that's an interesting little tidbit um I, I i just found that out earlier today like because i was looking at these casts and seeing if i remember them from other things um speaking of know, the Sorry, speaking of the uh, cast cameos, Keith David has a, a very yeah. small role for him as the bartender. I'm like, hey, look at yeah, that. Yeah. Did not remember this at all. Yeah. Um, I like Kelly Lynch. I don't think I don't think that whole love part of that was should have been in this film. I didn't think it was needed at all. Um, I like her from uh, Drugstore Cowboy. Is And the show uh, Mr. Mercedes, based off the Stephen King books, she's really creepy in that show um as far as 
uh, Gazara, Benzara, what's his name? Wesley, the character uh, that plays Wesley. Benzara. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not too familiar. I know some of the things he's been in, but I don't think I haven't seen any of those films that he was in. I will agree with you that the uh, the love story, the love story between him and Kelly Lynch just doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I have mean, much rather it been Kathleen Wilhoyt, her character, the the, the goofy, she's the, the waitress, yeah. She, they and they said they had she had a ton more scenes that they got cut. Most of them got cut. And she, I liked her character a lot. I wish she would have been the love interest. I thought yeah, that would cool. It would have made more sense for the way they set it up too, because mm-hmm. she's the first person to really like take an interest in him at the mm-hmm. bar. Yeah. But it's like she's the nerd that isn't gonna get the guy. But when she shows up uh, to his place with breakfast for some <laughs> odd reason, um, I'm like, okay, they're like setting the stage for that uh, yeah. to unfold later. Uh, and then he goes to the doctor, and it's just like, okay, we're in love with each other right now. Yeah. But he he invites her to the bar to buy her a cup of coffee. And then she's like, all right, well, like, I'm not 100% sure. But of course, she shows up and she walks into him in the middle of a gigantic brawl. Right. And then it's not like that's a problem or anything, <laughs> even though she lectured him about his lifestyle when they first met. And then yeah. so she walks in, she's like, OK, it is really violent. And then she's like, oh, no, it's cool. And <laughs> it's just like, nope, she's just smitten with him at that point. And uh, it's Patrick really Swayze. Exactly. <laughs> Swayze gets the ladies. So I, I understand that. Um, yeah. And I don't want to like fast forward too much to the end if we don't have to. But yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to remember to like circle back to it. So anyway, at the end. He gets into a fight with the right-hand man of the villain, who's basically like shadow version of Patrick Swayze. He's got <laughs> the darker hair and the darker clothes, and he wears a shark tooth around his neck because he probably <laughs> fought a shark or some shit. Um, <laughs> and uh, so he's like opposite Patrick Swayze. And so they fight, and Swayze ends up uh, killing him at the end. Honestly. And Kelly Lynch runs over and she like sees that this has happened and she's disgusted. Yeah. And she's like, just get away from me. There's no dialogue between them. And then the next time we see her isn't until the finale of, uh, or the climax of the film with, uh, in Wesley's house. Mm -hmm. And she has, I think she just screams no from the staircase. And uh, again, someone ends up dead in this situation. (laughs) And, now she disappears until we see the final like uh riding off into the sunset scene where it's like <laughs> no nope, her and Swayze are fine they're they're skinny dipping in the pond together yeah. everything's, <laughs> everything's perfectly fine so it's like it's just completely incongruent with uh the character behavior that they've already set up at this point and I think they just like cornered themselves and they're like mm-hmm. uh, we don't know what to do with the with like how she's going to react because it's like this guy had a gun. She hears the gunshot uh, and he defends himself, but he does so in a gruesome throat ripping fashion. Yes. Uh, and, <laughs> and so I don't. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. I don't know <laughs> if it's the the act of the, the killing the guy and like just kicking him into the lake afterwards, or if it was the, the fact that he like throat ripped him so savagely to kill him. But she's like at that point. All of the above. Like, yeah. So it makes sense that she's like, oh, this is gross. Like you didn't have to kill this guy. Yeah. So maybe she misinterprets the situation. He's like, no, I did have to kill him. And 
like we'll cross that bridge when we have to reconcile but they never cross that bridge and then she just she just walks in on another homicide and she's just "Eh, okay well now that these guys are out of our lives i guess we're not gonna i guess the situation is not gonna happen again so (laughs) you know what we can go forward with our lives at this point and be happy um but since I was talking about the end, I want to go to let me. I want to make sure I get the right clip though, because mm-hmm. as I watched it, I was like, "What the fuck did I just see?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me. I gotta grab it here. It's the fight between him and I, I don't remember the, the character's name. Is it Billy? Jimmy? I think it's Jimmy. The Shadow Patrick Swayze. Oh, I'll just call him Jose Canseco. He does look like Jose Canseco. <laughs> I was trying to place him. I was like, he looks so familiar, but I can't. The black mullet yeah, and the, the no sideburns. And I just I'll just call him Jose mm-hmm. Canseco. <laughs> all right, so I think this will take us all the way through the throat rip. Um, but it's the very beginning where this scene picks up right here that had me uh, asking questions. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Excuse me. <laughs> this was a line of dialogue in this movie. <laughs> This I was not expecting. No. At no. all. No, no, it was not. Yeah, let's go back. We're gonna hit that one more time. Yeah. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. That's right. You heard it. <laughs> There's so many lines like like that in this film, but then they save the best for yeah there's another one with sam elliott i think i have the i think i have the clip somewhere so i might be able to grab the audio or i can i can screen share it but yeah i was like whoa like is this really like the the one-liner that they thought it was when they wrote it or were they trying to like give this guy some unnecessary backstory by showing that not only has he been in prison but he's a prison rapist as well <laughs> yeah i was sad because i kind of ruined that part for me of course i didn't remember that 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 was in the movie i think looking at the movie when i was trying to see movies for this this topic i saw that that line showed up somewhere so i knew it was in the movie and i was like man mm-hmm. i wish i wouldn't have known that because that would have got that big surprise. <laughs> yeah, like my, my look on my face, I'm like, what? Did I just hear what I think I heard? I'm like, that's uh, that's not something you expect in a oh, action movie at all. I, I didn't know the line was coming from Terry Funk, who is awesome. Uh, Terry Funk's uh, awesome. I actually have history seeing him wrestle live. But he, uh, he says, uh, you know, I heard you had balls big enough to come in a dump truck. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's during uh dalton's introduction right? yeah. when they first meet him that one i didn't know was coming and that caught me off guard and that was towards the beginning of the movie so i was like wait what yeah homoeroticism going on here definitely they're like look Swayze can get the ladies he can get the fellas it doesn't matter <laughs> All right, this is the other one I'm going to post. The, I, when Sam Elliott uh, first shows up at the, what's it called? The, the Double Deuce? Double Deuce. The Double Deuce. <laughs> hey. And at this point, Terry Funk has switched sides, yeah. and they just don't really address that at all. Okay, Jim, take a break. He's, he's better as a hill, anyway. He is. But considering he used to work for this bar, there's not even a, an inkling of a conversation that, hey... <laughs> Can I buy you guys uh, a drink? 
I see you're working for them now or, you know, something simple like that. And I like that this like eight foot tall guy here just like keeps smashing bottles in the background. He's not, he's not helping in the fight at all. He's just like smashing stuff. And I like the fight scenes, man. It's, like it's, it's got that realism to it where like, yeah, that's kind of like a bar fight. Yeah, I like that they, uh, they definitely throw body shots here. It, it's not just uh, stylish stuff. I mean, he does like that that spinning uh, roundhouse kick roundhouse. A, little, a little too much, <laughs> but he goes to the body when it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So he invests in the body. Yeah. How's going, Mio? Yep. Sam Elliott just walks out here like, nah, we're we're, we're cool. <laughs> this line right here. You want to fight, dickless? I sure ain't gonna show you my dick. <laughs> I don't think that was ever in question. <laughs> That's something that his character, uh, his character in his head is thinking like, you know what? I may want to show this guy my dick. Yeah, maybe. Might as well just finish out the fight and there's only this little piece left yeah see I, I, the fights have that hint of a little bit of realism that people really they really don't know how to fight like you know but there is like you can tell there's some chore choreography to it and, which is awesome because they had a, a like a, a guy who was like a 10th degree black belt in every single style of fighting on set doing the choreography and he tried to convince patrick swayze to actually start kickboxing because he said Swayze would actually be really good at it uh, he's in, in watching it I'm like okay he actually has good punching technique his kicking technique is not very strong at all mm -hmm. so I don't know why they felt the need to like make that uh, a central part of his character like they could have eliminated mm -hmm. all the kicks and still had him like beating everybody up but I think they wanted yeah. like the extra they look uh, cool yeah kind of like the foreign nature of like oh man he's throwing spinning kicks and stuff yeah. he must know kung fu or something <laughs> yeah. uh so sort of the exotic nature of kicks uh during the 80s really because it's like who else was like throwing kicks other than like bruce lee and stuff mm -hmm. that was coming from other countries yeah. uh so i think that you know they planted that in there but in some of the kicks he throws i'm like that's not hurting nobody it's not even stopping <laughs> the guy from punching you uh but you know i watch real fighting so it's it's always like I go back and I see this stuff and I'm like, I was like, this would never work. Like, that's not a quality punch right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so it's like I've, I've ruined a, probably a lot of action movies for me at this point. Um, is there I know you said you had some questions that uh, you had maybe written down or taken notes on. I do have some notes, too, but I don't remember what I've gone through. So I'm going to pull that up. I, think, I thought it'd be kind of cool to mention you know we mentioned the scores of metacritic score and the uh, rotten tomato score they kind of some of the things that they were saying that you know maybe you agree with them and maybe you don't you know some of them kind of harsh about this movie and this movie was nominated for almost every category of those stupid razzie award things mm -hmm. like every uh category it has this movie was nominated for i'm like it's not that bad <laughs> even watching it now it's an entertaining film but they have Swayze exhibits virtually no charisma. I'm like, well, charisma by definition is compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. I'm like, that is what Dalton is in this movie. That's, it's a different, you know, it's not the dirty dancing character. As as a kid, like, I kind of 
could look up the what you know Dalton's rules that he had. You know, be nice to people, but take up for yourself. And then, in, and then, and in the movie, he's fighting for a whole town, you know, to rid it of tyranny of this this kingpin guy. So I'm like, he had. I think he has charisma by definition. I would say if you had to pick one defining characteristic of the character, it would be charisma. It's like the thing yeah. that he's got going for yeah. him in this yes. role. It's the reason that the movie is watchable. I think you put a lesser actor in this role and this is the kind of like B movie that goes like straight to video yeah. and yeah. is probably still a cult classic for the reasons that we like it, but it would have never been the kind of hit that it was. Uh, aside from that and i see one of the reviews here that says can swayze sustain a lead role yes can he sustain roadhouse no so i think i mean of all the things in this movie he is by far the most watchable thing i mean yeah. there's explosions and stuff that's fun yeah. but he's exceedingly watchable in the lead and i think that's why, why you see the disparity between uh like what its audience score and what its uh critic score is yeah yeah, and I've I seen the critics saying, uh, or they're talking about Wesley, they say he's a pig, but the problem is Dalton doesn't come across all that much better. I, and then because they were referring to, yeah, he actually killed a guy. I mean, well, that's just, that's part of his character, you know, falling so low, but then at the end, he rede you know, he doesn't kill the, the next guy. So it all makes sense to me that the, the, Little, the small little journey that the character goes through it's i don't know I, I i just don't agree with some of the some of the things they were saying yeah, it's um, similar to like what nick cage's character is in uh, con air where it's like he did kill a guy mm -hmm. but it's self-defense yeah. he mm -hmm. goes to jail for it uh and probably is you know not shouldn't be in jail uh like with the sentence that he has in that situation yeah. but nonetheless it's like the character's like moral core is solid and yeah. I, you you still get that here with Swayze so yeah, he had like, a gun in his face <laughs> yeah like what's he gonna do and so like yeah. it happens again like you pull a gun on me and I'm ripping your throat out yeah, okay exactly, like, yeah. so, so I think maybe it's <laughs> the gruesome nature of the kill because it's like uh, okay I I blocked the gun from shooting me yeah and then I didn't like knock him out or take the gun or anything I tore his throat out yeah and that that, that I like I actually like that in a character it reminds me of like one of my favorite all-time fictional characters is Ender or Andrew Wiggins from the, the uh, Ender's Game books. Mm. Um, he one of the things it, it shows in the movie too, where you know he has he beats the you know his opponent senseless or beats them down all the way where they can never attack him again. Like it makes sense. It does. Um, I will say. I also felt that the way that the movie was paced, despite it being two hours, mm -hmm. was excellent. Like I never yeah. felt like I was bored for a second. Yeah. Uh, I never felt like, even even though I had questions and I'm like, there's, there's some substance and some context that I'm not uh, getting here that I feel should be here. <laughs> like it's moving too fast. They're like, you gotta forget about that and just get on yeah, board. Yeah. Like we're gonna give you another bar brawl right now. So you gotta be ready for this brawl to break out. Uh, and we're just going to keep barreling right ahead. And we get to the point where like into the second half of the movie, okay, they, uh, they torch reds, uh, 
tool shop or mm-hmm. the, the, the his friend spot and there's a gigantic explosion i'm like okay like that's a pretty large scale explosion for yeah. this movie that i wasn't expecting that it's one thing to just have the place burn down but for them to have it subsequently explode after that that's a little surprising yeah. um but i like that they went like full bore with the explosions they didn't hold back with the pyrotechnics like they really yeah, blew awesome. they really blew this building up yeah. uh and it's great to see real explosions uh, yeah. in movies it definitely does something for the film that fake cgi explosions don't and it's hard to it's hard to put it into words but there's a tangibility of like we built this building uh or we bought this building and we're going to demo it and we really only have one shot we only have one opportunity to get the shot that we want for this movie so it's like there's a lot riding on that moment where they actually blow it up and that's important like the fact yes. that you yes. can now just be like all right well we're going to like have a fake fire and fake explosion and all this and like we'll just imply but the reaction between the people that are on set and the uh the actors and the camera is drastically different when something actually blows up and that's huge in filmmaking and i understand like maybe it's not uh really the most effective production strategy to like have to blow things up all the time but it is great when it happens and i'm glad that this movie went back to it at the end they're like look we're lighting another house on fire and for some reason that house will also explode it's like the <laughs> i don't know like it, there were like it, uh like loaded with ammo in there or fireworks or something but i don't think either of these buildings really should have just exploded for no reason yeah. or the, the uh, car getting shot with the shot the car going through yeah. the air and he's shooting with the shotgun and the car explodes it's, mm-hmm. it's so cool i'm and, glad i'm glad they uh they they really got a good uh practical vxf team yeah. v i said that right uh they got a good team together <laughs> for this and they spent time and money and expertise uh pulling some of those shots off as well mm-hmm. and uh let me see i don't know the monster truck scene is not going to really play that well uh yeah, if we just if we just, just do the audio yeah. um but yes that monster truck that we talked about a little bit earlier in this episode uh it makes an appearance later as the villain wesley has one of his cronies whoever's whoever's car this is i don't even know their name they just the <laughs> faceless henchmen basically but they show up to the auto dealership uh of somebody in town who's paying wesley protection money so it's basically you know gangster business mm-hmm. and he's so offended uh that some of these people do not want to uh get in line with him since patrick swayze has come to town he decides to remind them by having his friend's monster truck go into the uh, cadillac showroom and just demolish every car (laughs) in the showroom and this is a shot where they may have had a real showroom but i mean he breaks through like actual window they they pancake a bunch of cars yep. with this monster truck and it's a crazy scene and in like reading about this you see the way that they're uh behaving you see the way that wesley is behaving like as this scene is being shot and after all these cars are smashed like he's having a blast like he's laughing his ass off because uh, i saw someone said it looks like this is one of those shots where you only get the one shot at it and the actors in it are like i can't believe we're doing a stunt that's like this crazy that is 
mostly out of context like we don't know that this person owns the dealership at this point we don't we haven't really met the the owner of the dealership so we don't have a relationship to him um so it's just like hey we're at a car dealership oh apparently this guy is also uh paying wesley protection and uh maybe he missed a payment or something but Oh, well, sorry, we're going to pancake your whole inventory. And now he's definitely really not going to be able to pay you that 10% because yeah. you just smashed all his cars. <laughs> the semantics, man, semantics. I I love the, you know, all the explosions, the practicality of everything, even to uh, being a horror person, the uh, the gore and the throat ripping. I, it all looks, you know, there's, there's real. There was no CGI for like, every... Thing. every time we get blood or something in a movie nowadays it seems like it's it's cgi uh you know we still have some great you know directors that love to blow things up and you know realistically like you know michael bay is still out there doing his thing but yeah and that's part of the reason why i enjoy it so much like every i can stand up on a soapbox for say being annoyed with cgi and for me it's just when you have these these act you're trying to tell me a story as a storyteller and that's essentially what a director is it's a storyteller visually uh, you put these characters in a space and everything in that space is supposed to be realistic to them in that space when you start inserting cgi with fi cgi fire is one of the most terrible looking things i've seen um when you start putting in these fake things in this environment with those characters my brain just can't process that it looks so fake like, um same thing with the blood and gore like, if, if it's if i can my brain can see that 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 gore and, and blood is not in that same real space as that character it, i think it shows a lack of caring for your art yeah that, that, may, that may be harsh and i don't expect everyone to think that way that's just my views on it and if if you don't care enough for your art to to make to visually tell me a story in, in the real way then I don't care enough about your movie or yeah, your, think, your story. I think what we've seen in that regard is that it has become cheaper to produce uh, yeah, yeah. After Effects than it used to be. So mm -hmm. now uh, in terms of just cost effectiveness, hiring uh, like a top tier expert who does like really good uh, makeup effects or who does really good like uh, bullet work or explosions or things like that. It's just become more expensive to bring in those kind of people to do it right mm -hmm. uh, versus having it just done in uh, post-production. Yeah, it's, 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 it's lazy to me, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's a product of when I grew up and the thing, you know, I grew up with Tom Zavini the incredibleness that he is still um but i mean it's not and it's not every every film i thought i'll just we uh mentioned that movie the watcher you know there was really good practical effects in that film when it got gory i thought that was really nice um simple so, stuff though it's like they didn't overthink it in that regard like they're, yeah, yeah. they're like what can we show what can we get away with exactly what, what, what can, can we show? imply yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's speaks more to like the care of uh, the filmmaker and the team that he has around exactly. him, yeah. where it's like the scene with the bag and the train, right? Um, that's something where it's like they obviously had to make like a cast of a head or something shaped very similar to it and just kind of keep it 
you know, it's it's implied that there's a head in that bag. You don't actually see a head, but they they had oh, to yeah, cast yeah. something like some kind of mannequin or something like that. But the the ingenuity and the foresight to know like, hey, we don't have the budget to hire a makeup guy to make a quality looking fake head. Yes. So yes. what we want to do is like scare you with you envisioning the head yourself. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. It's like it's actually like what real like horror filmmaking should be is that it's more yes, about yeah. the anticipation of what you're imagining than the shock value of what you're showing me. Mm -hmm. And uh, this this movie did a really good job of that with the with the you know there wasn't a straight close up because even even you know I love practical but there can be bad practical effects as well. And if you can't get the shot, don't take the shot. And they do in this film. There's no like gory close-up of the guy's throat that he ripped out it's kind of far away and it's kind of man that i think i saw what i saw is what i saw that was pretty gruesome and moves on so this, this film did a really good job yeah and they, I, i'm sorry if my dog tries to get in the camera and she's oh no that's fine i'm, su <laughs> I'm surprised my dog hasn't started barking at something random in it's the just, background at this point already it's just trying to get uh, my attention no oh. we're we're dog friendly here um good, good. i was gonna say was they they dropped that clue of like the the rumor that when he actually killed somebody he ripped their throat out so that yeah, when yeah. it happens in the movie you don't really have to ask too many questions it's like mm -hmm. oh he he did the thing that he became famous for yeah. amongst this world so it's like okay yeah you know he ripped his throat out um yeah and speaking of that i'm gonna we're gonna jump to the the very end of the movie here where he restrains from throat ripping <laughs> more good practical effects with the gunshots and stuff very much so mm -hmm. turn that down a little bit <laughs> oh, a hitchcock type score going on yeah the music's excellent but we'll come back yeah. to that after this scene is over okay fine i won't kill you <laughs> see what happens when he does it yep again this bad situational awareness he knows that gun is there yeah bam so that's yeah, nowadays that might be probably done with cgi yeah that, that explosion look at that's like center mass though right to the chest he took yeah. that one like a champ <laughs> that's two massive that's three he's still standing <laughs> that's it this is hard. <laughs> nice. Nice. And it's it's like those gunshot wounds, man. That that stuff's that's realism. That's putting it even if it that isn't how it looks when someone gets shot. I, I mean I don't I've never shot anyone <laughs> other than with BBs. <laughs> but that you know, that's still in that space with that actor and with that character. So it's not out of the realm of possibility in that space. Yeah, even and it's everybody does it now. Even Scorsese and the Irishman, which I love. There's a scene where someone gets assassinated, I think, and the, the bullet hits them and it's like CGI blood flies and, and so it's and no one, you know, it, everyone's starting to use it when they can or try it out. Yeah, but in I love that scene because it, mm -hmm. it kinda like I mean, I'm, as you know, I'm a Terminator fan and yep, yep. kind of like had some of the, the T-1000 moments there uh, mm. where it's like everybody in this movie is tough. And I'm glad that they also made the villain tough because it's like he's got mm -hmm. his he's got his henchman, Dark Swayze, and <laughs> he could just very easily like, you know, sick him on 
the the physical side of things be like all right you just get him and deal with that and then i'll try and buy my way out of this with money or i'll try and cheat which he kind of does as well with the gun and he's got spears and stuff in there but i mean he he fights him like man to man and then takes four shotgun blasts to the chest before (laughs) going down so it, it it made him uh, a more menacing villain that it's like he really is this problem yeah. that's been haunting the town and like all mm-hmm. of the major players uh, and like business owners in the town yep. showed up showed up wielding shotguns to back Patrick <laughs> Swayze up on this uh, and we're more than happy to to assassinate this guy and uh, then the cops show up and they're all just like oh, giggling go, about it the, yeah let's go put the guns <laughs> away and like we don't know what happened <laughs> And then they, they giggle at the the, the fat guy. Uh uh-huh. They give him the chance. You want to you want to tell the right side of the story, or you want to you want to tell him the truth? Yep. And then uh, yeah, I thought that was a great way to end it comedically, before the the scene with. The, sorry. Oh. No, it's Model, okay. Model, you want to say hi? She can say hi. Come here. She's come here, Marla. Like I'm too shy to get she, on. She wants, camera, she wants to I, play, is what it yeah. is. Like you try to. <laughs> she's. <laughs> I wish you could see this. She's so goofy. She's a Boston Terrier mixed with a miniature pit bull, and uh, it looks exactly like you would think that would look. But she's got the energy of a Boston Terrier with the strength of a miniature pit bull. Mm. So it's. <laughs> she likes to play. Similar. My dog is a boxer pit bull mix as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she she's eleven now, but oh. She's still like I. I thought her energy would slow down a little bit by the time she hit like eight, but uh-huh. no, she's eleven and she's still just like a ball of energy. She's still got like crazy zoomies at the end of the day and <laughs> runs all over the house and you know. It, I mean, I'm glad that she's still in good health and everything. So yeah, that's, that's gonna be no sh- no complaints. Uh, all right, so we we just watched the the climactic ending of the film. I think. <laughs> another part of the reason that I chose this movie is because it is getting remade and they just I think it was just this week or the end of last week that they announced that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to star in the lead of the remake as an ex-MMA fighter turned bouncer so he already has maybe more of a backstory than Patrick Swayze's character did uh, heading into this movie and they also I learned today that uh, Conor McGregor UFC fighter is going to be joining him in this film. So uh, that begs the question, what do you think is going to be the outcome of this? Obviously they're spending money. They're getting star power mm-hmm. to, to make this sellable, but what would you want to see from a remake of this that uh, is worth the time, effort and money of remaking it in the first place? Um, I'll, I'll, preface that by saying i'm not nostalgic like i'm like i actually don't really like things that try to bring back my child like i'm the guy who quit watching stranger things halfway through the second season because it was too much nostalgia it just got in the way of the actual storytelling but uh you know so i'm never one for uh, i want them to make a remake of this or i want them to reboot this or anything like that um if you get the right people and just tell a good story that's that's what a lot of remakes and reboots don't put their effort in they don't put the effort in, just tell a good story they you can i'm not i don't care like if you call back to certain characters i don't need any of that it, it, 
just give me a, a good story. I think it's supposed to take place in Florida or something, which is different. So yeah, it's not going to exact same setting. That's cool. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. He's I love him as an actor. Uh, I don't know much about McGregor uh, apart from the memes and the, the walk he does. But uh, he's he's a character, all right. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what they want to do with that. Yeah, is, is it, I don't. I don't know, man. I, like, I, it's not something I'd be excited for, but because Jake Gyllenhaal's in it, I probably watch. Do we know who's directing it? I know who's right. The guy writing it wrote The Nice Guys. I know that much. Have they announced like a director or anything yet? Hey, uh, Doug Lyman. I'm not familiar with who that is. Uh, he directed Swingers and. Oh, okay. What else? Uh. He directed Edge of Tomorrow, Ooh. Jumper, I like, I like and the Firstborn Identity. So I mean, he's got the action chops. Yeah, yeah. That's he. That's give me a, a director who knows what they're doing. You know, not some first-time director. This is you know, thing we talked about. You know, have good fights. Um, and I think he's based basing it on a former UFC fighter. Will make it the fighting really good because. It's not fake martial arts like Patrick Swayze, so they'll bring more realism into it. Um, I don't need a love interest in a, in a movie about bar fighting, so don't put too much emphasis on that. Uh, just make the action really good. Like I can watch a, an action movie with hardly any storyline if you make the action scenes good, especially hand-to-hand -hand combat. So really just give me good fight scenes. Some I. I guess I would like it to have some zippy one-liners like this one. That'd be kind of nice. <laughs> I, th I think that's a given. I mean, I don't think you're going to make this movie and be like, no, nah, we can't do one-liners. And, and that brings up, like, if you're going to call it Roadhouse and you want to bring in that crowd, you got to go for it. You can't play it safe. This movie, Roadhouse is considered to be, you know, misogynistic by a lot of people. And I can see that. Mm -hmm. but, um, so and that's not something that might fly today. So will they tone it down or be you put, will that get in the way of the writing or, you know, the dialogue? They, you know, I don't know, but I want to see them go for it. And I want to see, I want it to, I want it to offend somebody. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope what I want to see is that it is at least rated R. Mm -hmm. So it can yeah. be the kind of product that it should be. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to have a bunch of gratuitous nudity or anything, but it should be able to like freely be the movie it wants without the restrictions of like, oh, we need to get this out to you know the thirteen the and yeah, under crowd. Um, and so a lot of movies these days are handicapped by that, where it's like we don't want the R rating because it's going to limit our uh, scope and yeah. that's going to limit our box office take. And but there's there's precedents now for it to to do well as a rated R fun like fun movie, like deadpool oh, started yeah. that they, you can make an r-rated movie and bring in and make you know make a lot of money off of it you just got to go for it definitely can so i'm hoping that that is the case mm -hmm. uh, i do trust jake gyllenhaal yeah. i like mm -hmm. billy magnuson in it um, and mcgregor just got announced and they're going to create like a new character for him so mm -hmm. you know he could be the the dark Swayze character in this movie where he's the one that is uh, 
I don't know if he's a good enough actor to like have that much of a role. But when you look back at the original Roadhouse, it's like this guy doesn't have to do much other than like true, yeah, show up and then like fight and you know drop he, his so, his so line about fucking guys in prison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he can basically you play a goon and then yeah. add some charisma to it because of you know who he is. Is yeah. You could even write him as like something of a caricature of himself if it's like oh, yeah. they're they're yeah. at a nice upscale nightclub and he's this rich asshole but uh, can also fight or likes getting in fights. Whatever. I mean, McGregor yeah. actually has gotten in bar fights and stuff like that and punched <laughs> old men in the face. So it's like he's a good fit if you're looking for authenticity. Before I forget, though, I wanted to say Michael Kamen, who made the score for uh, the original Roadhouse and was... Mm-hmm uncredited also mm-hmm. was the conductor and orchestrator on event horizon oh, he um did last action hero like Le- lethal weapon one two and three die hard one and two wow. hudson hawk so <laughs> like the music for roadhouse is like quintessential 80s action music mm-hmm. And it does a great job of carrying all of like the weaknesses. And like I said earlier about the pacing, like the the combination of the score and the pace which the story is told mm-hmm. really doesn't give you too much time to dwell on some of the maybe dumber aspects of the movie. You're, you're just we're gonna we're gonna move <laughs> right along. Don't worry about it. Like this action scene is right here and it's good, and you'll just enjoy that, and then we'll get on to the next thing. Yeah, uh, and it does falter when it when it slows down. Like there's the scene where Swayze is getting really emotional talking to Doc, Kelly Lynch's character. I, I yeah. th- he's that's not his acting's a little suspect there, in my opinion. Oh. Yeah, I mean, and it's just like the movie is not designed to have that kind of dialogue in it. Yeah. There's a reason that like the one-liners work and like the kind of quippy comments yeah. work and the very eccentric characters work. And that all works because it isn't this uh, like deep film that has this these like real human moments in it so much so when they tried to go there it's like okay you can obviously see like the weaknesses all around and maybe you know had it been uh had that been the emphasis and you give Swayze uh like time to work through that character like maybe that scene Mm -hmm. makes sense but it's just like a placeholder to get to the next scene and to only reinforce something that we already know about his character anyway so it's you know it's redundant at that point and you could clip that and it would be perfectly fine um give me more zippy one-liners zippy (laughs) one-liners um okay so i think does a hobby horse have a wooden dick (laughs) i know that's a great one too right (laughs) pain don't hurt (laughs) right a lot of talk about dicks in this movie for a movie with so many boobs it's like look we're gonna show a lot of boobs so we need to talk about a lot of dicks okay We, we need to balance this out uh, <laughs> um all right i think we covered everything uh that i wanted to cover for this and do you have any final thoughts on this before we uh close the book on the first bad movies we love episode uh, no like my i guess the biggest point here is if you haven't seen a film like this um give things a try like it, it, you know don't believe everything that's that you're going to think exactly like these critics are going to think you know they have they have their reasons why they don't like something or why something doesn't work for them but just you know use your own judgment seek movies out here i might do that more often i'll go to metacritic or something and look for something with a bad score but 
it sounds like it might be in my alley. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start trying things out like that. And I urge other people to do that too. You know, don't just take everyone's word for it that something is bad or something is great. You know, seek things out because this this movie is still a blast to me. You know, I had a lot of fun with it to be yeah. honest. Uh, I didn't expect to enjoy it that much. Like in adulthood, I could see yeah, exactly. my adolescent self being like, "Yeah, there's bar fighting and mm -hmm. uh, like there's explosions," and like I'm not even digging any deeper than that at that point. I'm like, "Whatever, yeah. it's yeah. on movies for guys who like movies. Of course, I'm gonna like it." Yeah. Uh, but to come back to it now and to really like examine it with. Uh, a more trained eye and even like a microscopic lens on it to really mm -hmm. look for all the things that I would have said that here, this is what makes it a bad movie. Even doing that and taking notes during the movie, I never got to the conclusion that this is a bad movie. Right. Yeah, I, I, I picked up on a lot of stuff and I'm like, okay, a lot of this maybe doesn't make sense or doesn't work or isn't the best uh doesn't necessarily line up with the movie they're telling but even so i was like none of that uh is enough to swing the pendulum the other direction or uh unbalance the scales in the favor of it being bad like yes yeah. it can be maybe dumb at times <laughs> but it knows that it is though. it knows it, that it, it is That's it is trying key. to be funny a lot of times when there's over the top in one of the first big bar fights there's this goofy looking guy that's like giggling <laughs> like yeah. that is on purpose like this movie makes it is it is meta it knows how goofy it is and i recently went back and rewatched top gun get ready because i still haven't seen maverick yet and i like roadhouse way more than i like rewatching top gun so, I think know. that's fair, and I liked Top Gun a lot more when I was a kid. I think just because yeah, of the plane yeah. stuff. Exactly. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a fair sentiment. I watched them both recently uh, because the Maverick was coming out, and my girlfriend mm -hmm. had never seen the original Top Gun. I was like, so we have to watch it. And that was another one of those movies where I was like, this is a cult classic, but it's not necessarily like a great film. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but she was like, no, it's still good. Like I enjoyed it. I was like, yeah. So it was enjoyable, mm -hmm. and I think both movies are good at being very self-aware yeah because yeah. one thing you don't want to do like as a filmmaker is be pretentious and like think your art is this high art that maybe it isn't <laughs> when so, you're making films based on these these topics definitely <laughs> exactly so you need the right person in the director's chair and you need yeah, the right yeah. person uh penning the script but yeah they established all of their like their humor and their action very early mm -hmm. in this film and they, I mean, even the costuming is like, these guys are all dressed <laughs> like they were drawn for a comic book and showed up on screen, but I loved it. Um, yep. And it, it very clearly like indicates who's who. And even if there was no dialogue and you just like looked at a lineup of everybody, you could probably tell who the villains are and who the good guys are. Good point. So good point, yeah. fantastic job of costuming and yeah. just uh, being very conscious of how to tell the story with small cues mm -hmm. and like you said perfectly uh unpretentious and self-aware mm -hmm. so it's a good one if you've never yeah. seen roadhouse check it out don't listen to these 37 percenters out yeah. there um it's perfectly enjoyable yes it good, wouldn't good it, it wouldn't fly if it were released today this way but True. you know what who cares? It's 1989 in this world, and uh, I had a blast <laughs> with it. Um, before we go, why don't you tell us about 
your podcast since the last time I had you plug it was on something that I didn't even record. <laughs> and this is we did we did an episode last week, so why don't you uh, go ahead and tell us about that? Yeah, so I do a podcast called You, Me, and a Movie. Uh, you can get it on anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Uh, but it is essentially just a friend-making endeavor that I recently started uh, just to meet new people, meet more people from different backgrounds, different walks of life who just enjoy talking about film or maybe just want to talk about a certain film. Maybe it's your favorite film. Maybe it's a film you hate and you want to get it off your chest. But I use that film that they choose, that my guest chooses to get to know them a little better and hopefully make friends in the process. So really it's, you know, it's it's not a full-on critique of a film or anything anything like that. It's just, you you just bring me a film that you want to talk about. I'll, if I haven't seen it, I'll watch it. And I'll just find ways to incorporate that into our conversation to get you know you better. Uh, we did do an episode together. It was on the film Duel. It was a blast to watch. It was a blast to talk about. Uh, we got to know each other a little bit better. Uh, my newest episode will be out this Monday. Again, that's on any of your, your podcast listening uh, platforms uh, where I had a guest talk about The Awful Truth, which was a, from 1937. I think it was remade later, but this we had a blast talking about it. I had, I had never seen it. It was a blast. So uh, if, if you or anyone you know wants to be on an episode, just you can find me on Twitter at you, me, and a movie one. That's the number one. Uh, you can shoot me an email at you, me, and a movie pod at Gmail. Um, I'm also on Instagram at you, me, and a movie pod. But yeah. And you can find that podcast wherever you get your podcasts, you, me, and a movie. And that's on Twitter. It's you, me, and a movie, the number one. Yes, the number one. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, to anybody that is listening and enjoyed this conversation, check out Donald's podcast. The one that I did with him is not dissimilar from this really at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had a blast talking about Duel, and that wasn't a bad movie that we were talking about. Um, but structurally, you know, I borrowed from that to to set up what we were going to do here. And uh, I thank you for your input and uh, you're helping me frame this conversation and being the first guest on this show. So I, I loved it. Thank you for, for thinking of me when you wanted to start it. And uh, it was very thoughtful. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you have a good night. Um, Sandy, man. Enjoy your thank, weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks to everybody uh, for listening. And I will uh, stop recording now. Roadhouse. Got that last family guy on in. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help. So if you enjoy what I'm doing, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing all go a long way too. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or have something to tell me, you can contact me at info at or at scheistpodcast on Twitter. And as usual, be well, stay safe, and have fun no matter where you get your movies.